Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. And I haven't actually started writing this morning, but I'm coming to you here in uh, Arizona, where the temperatures are a nice 40 and 65. Very nice. Thank you. <sighs> Sorry for those of you who are not having nice temperatures. And we have so much happening out in the world that uh, my brain is exploding. I was trying to think how I wanted to move forward or through everything I would like to share with you. But before we do that, you know, traditionally, did I say what day it was? It is, I don't even know what day it is. Today is, I think today is Thursday. I know it's December 27th, 2023. I am losing time all over the place. It's very disorienting when you do not live in a Monday through Friday world. But in the holiday season, I think it makes it even a little more confusing. And so, you know, I've been moving with you. It's almost two years now, fully two years here at Substack. And, you know, I embarked on this adventure to understand for myself, what does it mean to be wired for danger? And... It's been a process that I appreciate those of you who have been walking forward with me in it. And I'm finally at a place where I can see uh, some legitimacy and value in this as an idea and confidence that I'm not just having some kind of personal projection. You know, oh, this is what I feel, so therefore everybody else feels the same way. And and the word I'm hearing isn't danger, it's chaos. Uh, I say wired for danger because uh, danger is really what we fear. And chaos is uncomfortable for most of us. And conflict is uncomfortable. But the human condition, for the most part, is always seeking homeostasis. And Anything out of that calm center balance place is perceived as discomfort and we want to move back towards it. But we have a tiny percentage of people in this world, I think, that are here to be disruptive when it's too calm and then bring us back to calm. So I feel like there's a place for us because I started all this with the question, how can you have all these what I was calling violent feelings, I think intense chaos, but I don't see it as chaos. I see it as very focused uh, and still have this idea that we're supposed to be all peaceful and loving and fabulous. And, you know, there's nothing in the God spiritual world that says, hey, uh, some of us don't feel all warm and fuzzy all the time. And, you know, sidebar, we don't want to feel all warm and fuzzy all the time. And people who are around us are uncomfortable with us a lot of the time. And so, you know, this has been a personal, but also, uh, you know, a journey of observation about a subset of us, I will say, that move forward in the world in a way that other people aren't. And one of those things that happens is we collectively usually, as I said in that one intro, uh, as we do things the hard way, which is, you know, one of those, why are we doing it like this? 
but also, you know, our lives don't fairly often turn out well. And, you know, we're at the beginning of that year where people tend to focus on goals and what do I want to achieve for this next year? Uh, It's a time of winter reflection. I asked you that not too long ago, who am I and what do I want? Uh, And, you know, me, I'm a big question person and, you know, my push is always to seek to understand and more importantly is why to understand. And I think that in this moment in time where there's so much happening out in the world, we've sort of moved past the point where trying to understand what's happening isn't really helpful uh, because there's no single thing that's going to change what's happening out in the world. And, you know, that's sort of been the problem with this idea of truth. And, you know, most Wired for Danger people have a strong push towards either a mission, uh, what is the truth, uh, you know, to be of service, to be uh, a warrior, a push towards, you know, to be a, a firefighter and rescue or criminal, you know, I love the danger, or, you know, an adrenaline junkie, I want to focus all my push on climbing mountains or skiing down them. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things we do with this push. Some of them are service in others, service to others, and some of them are uh, focusing on ourself, and some are very self-destructive. And so there's no singular way to understand all this. Uh, But the reason I talk about it is because I think if you can find your way within the energy of push-pull-pause and less about the nervous system, then it really gives you a simple way to engage with all of the craziness that's around us. And there's really so much craziness. It is, you know, it just pull, it's pulling us all apart. And that's what the nervous system does. You know, the nervous system is in response to stress. You know, we're out of balance. And so the stress kicks in, fight, flight, freeze, push, pull, pause to deal with the unwanted, the discomfort, the uncertainty, the, the lack of safety. You know, we're not stressed when everything is comfortable and safe. Now, there is a type of stress that comes from not enough pressure. The absence of pressure actually can become stressful in and of itself. But right now, I don't think that's an issue for anybody I know. (laughs) The absence of stress, being bored. I can't imagine being bored at this moment in time uh, because there's just so much going on. And so when I was thinking about this transition into the new year, and how we traditionally focus on what I want to go out and do, what I want to accomplish. You know, we use the year as a time of measurement. Uh, I thought, you know, we're really, for me, uh, and I think at a higher level conversation, uh, we are moving into a time where I think the only way to get through all of this is to let go of markers, of goals, of things that are no longer uh, probable because 
there's so much uncertainty. In the same way, there's no way to prepare for every uncertainty. Uh, you know, you can have all the food in the world, and if you break your leg and you're left out in the the far field, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. All your preparation didn't serve you. Uh, you know, you can build the world's most protective shelter, but a meteor can still fall on your head. There's no way to 100% protect, uh, provide, prepare for every eventuality, you know, that's coming down the pike. And the stress around trying to figure out what to do uh, is overwhelming because every minute of every day, there's a new threat level. And there's competition to get you excited about all the different threats and to discern, well, what is it that's most important or most likely? You know, when we talk about earth changes or we talk about uh, the solar cycles or we talk about weather, you know, do I want to move to where if the sun goes, boom, I'll be safe? Or do I want to move someplace uh, where I have access to water? Or do I want to move someplace where I'm less likely to be part of this migrant invasion. You know, I mean, there's just, you cannot put all these things together and then not have somebody come out five minutes later and explain to you why that's not going to work. I mean, there's just no way to move through this moment with any sense of control about understanding the future. And, you know, I'm seeing that even being uh, grappled with in terms of, uh, moving beyond just, you know, the here and now, like what happens when we die? You know, are we shifting into a new world? Are we about to start the war? Or is the country going to split up? Is the United States going to have a secession movement? Are we going to have a civil war? Are the borders going to fully collapse? I mean, there's so much happening that people are grasping, you know, at prophecies and at predictions and at science and about uh, all these different things that many of you I know think about because you probably would never have found me if you weren't having some version of that conversation in your head in some way. And, you know, the more I am aware, you know, of kind of what's happening with other people's thoughts and how nobody agrees with anybody, but they're so positive. Their vision is the right one. Their scientific explanation is the right one. Their prediction is the right one. This prophecy is the absolute right one. This belief, this fact, this truth is absolute and total. And everybody can't be right and everybody can't be wrong. And, you know, I've been stepping back thinking, okay, well, I can sort through uh, what makes sense to me, and I can say, okay, well, I'm going to choose that as my understanding. But what doesn't make sense is for me to come forward and say, well, this is the way it is. And, you know, that's one of the things I've never been comfortable doing as I've gotten older. You know, I think I did that when I was younger. Like, we all know everything when we're 18. Get out the way. I know everything. And, you know, my first awareness of that was with nutrition and how, you know, I've studied nutrition for over 40 years and every new theory comes forward as being, this is the right way to eat. And, and what finally happened for me, you know, in my years and years and years and decades now of study of everything I could get my hands on 
is why I developed, you know, what I called that primal human training program, because everything points back to our body is designed to function within the world uh, ecology. It's not rocket science. It's very simple. Water, real food, movement, sun, touching the ground, sleep, breathing. I mean, it's not complicated. You know, I was listening to a guy who uh, discussed ancestral, he's on ancestral health, and he was talking about how uh, we operated collectively in small groups because that's what we're wired for. We're not wired to be part of massive civilizations. And, you know, that creates all kinds of pressure and stresses. And then we act out in a thousand different ways. And, and it's so simple, but we still don't do it. And, you know, that's become the next question. Why is it so hard to have answers that are so obvious and there's still so much resistance and we have all this information and we still never do anything. I mean, it just doesn't feel like rocket science to me to think that if you're putting a lot of chemicals on your food and you're depleting the soil and you have lack of nutrition, the people will start to get sick and yet we'll invest billions in a cancer cure, but we won't ask the question about, well, why are we using these pesticides? Because it's killing all the bugs. Why would we think it's not rotting our own body out from the inside out? I mean, these simple, simple, simple truths. And, you know, that became my next question. Why aren't we motivated? Why don't we do these things that make so much sense? And we just really don't. And we never will. Collectively, pull it all together and have this perfect civilization and this utopia. Because, you know, we're in a moment right now where people are yelling, 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 yelling. And yeah, more people are yelling, but we don't see, we see little changes. You know, there's lots of people doing small things, you know, putting together small communities, you know, fighting the battle on their front, whether they're doctors or lawyers or things like that. But there's no collective tide turning because, you know, at the end of the day, civilization is so big, we can't work together. There's no way to organize all of us into a collective solution that would stop all of this in a heartbeat. And it would be really simple because you've got, you know, a handful of people pulling strings for an enforcer class that the rest of us are just falling into line and, and obeying, whether we perceive ourselves that way or not. And, you know, we're at this point where I think we all realize that this election is going to be pivotal, uh, that we're charging down a path that can't be turned back from. Uh, you know, you look at the border, the numbers of people, and it's just un fathomable to, to th see the streams and streams and streams of people. And yeah, your life isn't changing in your house or your neighborhood. But one day the bus might pull up and hundreds of people descend and all of a sudden overnight your world is radically changed. And there has been no preparation. There has been no collective as a community. We're going to say, no, you can't do this. Now it may happen once or twice, but collectively, we're just never going to pull it all together and do the right thing because we never do. 
It happens in movies, but in the movies, it's always a one person or a tiny group that saves the day and everybody else benefits. And it just never happens. And because we don't understand history, we don't understand timelines and how much work goes into all of these things and how many people are the fodder for the decisions of just a few who decide to try to control everything. I mean, it's just this collective mess that isn't ever going to change because we're all going to wake up and all of a sudden decide to do the right thing. And, you know, that leaves you with a moment saying, okay, but then what? I mean, I still have to to function. I still have to survive. I still have to look around and we're still a body and we're still a, a, you know, we still have a nervous system that is stressed out because we're in constant reaction to everything that's going on around us or we're tuning out. So we don't understand what's going on around us or we keep running away further and further and further hiding from what's going on around us. And everything about the stress response is response. It's in relationship to something perceived that's already happened. It's an after. It's an effect. It's not a cause. And at the end of the day, things only ever change at the level of cause and not effect. You know, most of our healthcare is surrounded by this idea. If I can cure then everybody will be healthy. That's an effect. That's not a cause. Uh, it's this difficult shift to move us ahead in time and change behavior and thoughts and feelings and action that are not in response to what we don't want, but operating in a way we do want. And then letting go the outcomes of all that is. And so everything, you know, I'm talking to you about over these last two years has been in response to, in response to the crisis, in response to the danger, in response to the unwanted or the wanted. Everything about the nervous system is a highly sophisticated machine uh, or electronic system of, you know, chemicals. Uh, electromagnetic frequencies, uh, all of this stuff that is working as one unit in response. And at some point, the human experience has to understand this shift from not just responding, but what's in front of that response. And as long as we're in survival mode, we're in a constant state of response, right? We're just desperate to get food or to get water or to get shelter or to get safety. So we're in constant response too. And that's how you're controlled, right? You're constantly responding to a need, wanted or unwanted. And what would life be like if we were in front of that? And that sort of is something that, you know, I haven't really talked about because 
I've been fascinated with this process of the nervous system and how it's a communication system and it's gathering information and it's operating, you know, so quickly that, uh, you know, how do we master it? How do we have it serve us rather than us being in constant response to? And every single person has push, pull, pause, fight, flight, freeze. Nobody is absent of one of those three responses. The mastery comes in understanding the energy response and how we use it. Moving forward, stepping back, holding still. Moving back, moving forward, holding still. Moving to the left, moving to the right. It's all a dance of our energy systems. And it's in response to almost everything that's within this body and this world and this environment. And it's the way that we are controlled, right? It's, you know, either the we're being disrupted, you know, through the electromagnetic frequency, through the chemicals in the water and the food and the pills we take, uh, you know, the, the, through watching a video or our phones, you know, the, the brain frequencies are altered. I mean, all these things are methods of controlling us so that they can control, so the, not they, so the response can be controlled and we can never get in front of it. And so one of the conclusions, you know, I've come to at observing how everybody's predictions, uh, visions, prophecies, uh, scientific explanations, theories, all of that is trying to control what's coming so we know how to respond to it. Sorry, I think I just hit the microphone. And as long as you're in constant response, you're always going to be behind, right? You never can get in front of an effect. You can only be on the backside of it. And, you know, most of that is real. Functioning in the body in this world is in many ways, just effect. You know, how am I going to get water? You know, yesterday I went to go get water. And when I tried last time at the same machine, it was out of water and I lost my dollar. So this time, you know, in response to that effect, I only put in one quarter instead of four, held my breath and was so grateful that water came out of the machine. And how uh, you know, I'm responding to that because I can't get in front of the fact that water isn't just magically, you know, coming out of my faucet or coming out of my bottle or coming down from the skies, right? It requires me to be organized and respond to my situation on how I get water because without water, I die. I don't have a choice. I have to be in response to survival needs, civilization has taken a lot of that away from us, lulling us, you know, kind of into a false sense of security. Uh, and, you know, clearly that's coming around to bite us in the butt. But the real question is, what would it, what would it mean to be in front of the response? And what does that have to do with how we're wired and functioning as a human being or a spiritual being, you know, depending on how you see yourself? And, the only conclusion that I've really been able to come to 
is that you can't. There's no point in trying to know what's going to happen. Now, I'm going to say this and it's going to be super simple and you're going to go, duh, but we all still really don't do it. And the duh is it doesn't matter what's happening to us. The only thing that would matter at this way of trying to be in front of the response is who we are and why we do, not how we do it, when, where, or what. The focus is on who we are and what our intention is, the why. So who I am has to go get water. Now, how, why I get it is because I don't want to die. Who I am when I go get water is I can go steal it. Uh, I can go buy it. Uh, I can go uh, purchase, you know, a piece of property with a well on it. Uh, I can move to a lake or a river. Uh, I can set up a rain catchment system. And all of these decisions are based on who I am. Do I want to be, do I want to take with the least amount of effort? Do I want to invent a new way to collect water? Do I want to uh, be part of a community? Do I want to connect and share and cooperate as I gather water? Uh, do I want to be independent and, and uh, nomadic and just worry about what I need on any given day? And the intention behind that, why do I want to do that? Because I like to feel free, because I like to be connected, because I like to be secure, because I like to have abundance, because I like the challenge of scarcity. That's the connecting theme in all of this. It's not what we're doing. It's not how we're doing. It's not where we're doing. And it's not when we're doing it's who we are and what our intention is in that process. And that is timeless. You know, there's that thing that say, you know, you can't take it with you when you die. Who has the most toys wins, but you can't take any of it with you. And what can you take with you? And we talk about it as experience. But the only parts of the experience that you take with you are the feelings, the, the lessons. And most of that becomes information about who you want to be. Do I want to be more angry? Do I want to be more happy? Do I want to be a peaceful person? Do I want to be an angry person? Do I want to be a powerful person? Do I want to be a rich person? And the intention is, do I want to be rich because I feel insecure? Or do I want to be rich so I can take care and do good in the world? Uh, do I want to have simplicity because I don't want the responsibility of a lot of money, uh, but I want to be in service in a physical way? Do I want to be a doctor because I want to heal or do I want to be a doctor because I want the status, the power and the income? So none of this is rocket science, but it's extremely difficult to even think about this when you watch the news for two minutes, you know, and you see people pouring across the border and I'm like, how do you have this conversation about what it means to be in front of the response? Because once I'm face to face with this, I have to be in response because it would be scary. Whether I want it to be or not, 
a group of people coming at me would be scary. So that becomes the stress response. You know, am I going to push and fight? Am I going to run away or am I going to hide? And that is essential to being part of this world. The reason why I focused on the stress response or the the nervous system is because one, it is how it communicates. It's how we communicate in our whole body and how we take information in and how we move around in this world and how we understand ourselves as energetic beings. Uh, But specifically why I think it's important for those of us who are wired for danger more than maybe focusing on a different subset is because the push is so much of who we are. The more we can understand that, the better we can look at our intentions and the why and focus less on trying to control the what, when, how, and where. Why do I want to be a warrior? Why do I want to fight? Why do I want to push? Do I want to do good or do I want to do harm? Do I want to do what I want or am I pushing against what I don't want? And, you know, if you're a pause pull person, I think it's less important because most of us, most humans are not push people. And so therefore it's just not that important. And it's important to understand it, but I don't think it's as big a driver unless, you know, there's been a trauma or something that needs to be healed. But it isn't really what I see as most likely the great uh, contributor to who you are and why you are in the world. Whereas push people are so mission push oriented that that seems to be the driver in their life. And nobody really understands that about themselves or about others, and so it creates a lot of conflict. And I think by understanding it, it makes it easier for us to make peace with ourselves, and it also makes it a little bit easier to understand who we are and why we do things. And we get to choose about how we want to move forward with that. And it isn't, you know, right or wrong, positive or negative. It's just part of this want, don't want sorting system because logic would say all you should do is pick things that you want. But reality says to me that we most understand ourselves and others by the contrast of what we don't want. The sorting out. Okay, this, yes, that, no. This, yes, that, no. Not as positive, negative, good or bad, right or wrong, but just information that allows us to understand our response, trace it back to who we are and why we did that, and then decide, do we want to continue or we'd like to try something different? And that's the power, you know, of our capacity to seek to understand. It gives us power because we can't do anything pretty much about what's happening at the great big level. We certainly can't do anything about the sun go boom, right? Can't do anything about the electromagnetic frequency changing uh, the, the magnetic poles, you know, the great shifting. We can't really control if a meteor comes flying in. We can't control the weather. Uh, we can't do much to control Uh, how much it rains, where it rains, or when it rains. 
there isn't much we can control. And everything about the human experience throughout time has been seeking to control the environment, the body, the world, mostly to stay safe and comfortable. And, you know, we're at one of those peak civilization moments where we can see, well, that's not going to work out long term because by abdicating our responsibility for safety and comfort, we haven't done anything but bringing the house of cards down on our own heads. And now it's cleanup time. And the cycle repeats and the cycle repeats and the cycle repeats. And so, you know, this idea that there's just one future or this new earth that we're going to ascend into and all the people we don't like will stay behind and all the people we do like will come with us. Uh, or if you're a survivor, all the sheeple will die and all the people who prepared will live. I mean, all these stupid things that we think if we can control what we want by pushing against what we don't want then everything will be okay. And it's so big, you know, you're starting to see people fall apart trying to wrap their heads around something that makes sense to them, something that's within the parameters of some level of comfort. And, you know, you see other people making fun of the way people are doing that. You know, we're all in this terrible stress response of, just wild uncertainty, discomfort, and questions. And uh, and there's just feeling helpless. Like, I can't do anything about it. I, you know, I think I've talked about this. I have these uh, blankets, these kind of fleece flannel blankets that I get at Walmart. And I probably have like five or six of them. I brought, I think three, or I brought four of them with me because I had so many. When I first bought them, they were $6. And they're a great big, they're either 90 by 90 or uh, the next size down, but they're really nice blankets. And so I would keep buying them because, you know, if you've got dogs, enough set. Uh, then I, they went to $8 then the $9 and I saw them in Walmart the other day at $13. And so, you know, they've doubled in like two years and, you know, it's, what's happening is stressful. You know, this, there's this thing that's going on that we can't control and, and we have to respond you know, and my response is, you know, I'm glad I bought them when they were cheaper, but I, I want to fight against, I want to push against this idea that stuff just keeps getting more and more expensive, you know, and then I feel bad for all the people who can't get what they need, you know, and the parents trying to take care of their children and the older people who can't cope with everything that's happening. And so we all move into a different understanding of what's happening. And, you know, I think a lot of that is based on our nervous system because, that's how we comfort ourselves. You know, some of us comfort by trying to figure out how to help others. Uh, some of us get self-comfort by just looking away and not wanting to think about it and zoning out. Or some of us uh, move into the rhythm of a task that doesn't allow, that we don't have to think, you know, building something or we don't, or football or all these things that require us to tell ourselves that we're busy so we don't have to think and feel about all the things we don't want. All of those are coping mechanisms of the stress response because of the unwanted. And nobody wants what's happening. You know, we want safety and we want comfort. That's the driver that most of us are pushing to as humans. And I really see this wired for danger person is either the disruptor of too much comfort and safety 
or the group that steps in when there's not enough comfort and safety. And so it doesn't matter what the event is. All that really we can deal with, both in response to and in front of the response, is who we want to be and why we're making our decisions. Where is that coming from? Is it coming from a place of wanting to be of service? Or is it coming from a place of wanting to hurt, wanting to control, wanting to be um, special, wanting to be whatever, you know, fill in the blank? And that's really the only place that we can step out of time and space and current events and fears and have a conversation that is timeless and doesn't have anything to do with circumstance because it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, the reality never changes of who we are and how we move through this world with intention. Uh, and I find, you know, with the Wired for Danger group, I gravitate towards those whose intentions are to be of service. You know, that's why I have such a big heart for these guys and women who are doing you know, child rescue of these horrible situations. But I understand with the same level of compassion, you know, the criminals and how they may not have started out wanting to be a criminal, but life circumstances moved them, sorry, the dogs are activating, uh, you know, moved them into that way of being. And now that's their survival. And, you know, I say all this because... There's just so much to think about. There's so much to do. There's so much happening. There's no way to wrap yourself all the way around it. And, you know, like I said, traditionally, we move into a new year trying to have a conversation about, well, what did I accomplish that last year? What are my goals? What are my hopes? What are my dreams? What do I want for this next year? Uh, when the reality is the big question is, who knows if we'll even be alive? There's so much going on. And most of it's unwanted. And that's discouraging. And it's frustrating. And it, you know, does not create warm, fuzzy feelings, knowing that we are moving into a period of time that regardless of what your personal belief systems are, uh, most of us get that we got no control over what's happening and that the best we'll be able to do is respond. And so, you know, this question, like, how do we move in front of the response is beyond, you know, just how do I train and prepare? It really is a mental, emotional, spiritual decision, not physical. And it's one that requires a lot of letting go because there's so much that's out of our control at this point. But it's the only thing I can think of that makes sense to me because there's so much disagreement about which version of the future and this franticness to be right and the franticness to find the person who is right and the desperate feelings of holding on to, well, this is probably what's going to happen. So I'm going to move here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have that. Uh, and then, the, you know, the guilt when you can't move out of a blue city because, you know, the reality is you can't move. 
Uh, and are you a bad person because you can't get your kids out of school and all this stuff that's happening that almost nobody can do anything about. If we can let that go and just shift into just our tiny little experience in the world about, well, who do I want to be during this process? And what are the intentions that I am holding on to moving through this process? Because the one thing we can't do is control this process. And that can be very discouraging. I think that creates a lot of despair uh, and a lot of fear and, and, you know, for many, anxiety and depression. And if we can shift this next year into this idea that the measure of our success, the measure of our wisdom, the measure of our time spent in this world is not by what I did or what, how much stuff I have or where I live or when I was special. And we can shift into this, who do I really want to be throughout all of this? Even if nobody can see me, right? Because the only real test of integrity is what you do when nobody's looking. Uh, you're not recording yourself for social media. You're just doing something when nobody can see you and nobody, quote unquote, will know. That's the real test of who you are as a person. You know, can I walk by, I think about, you know, so many people leave their, um, stuff out overnight, myself included, and how so far, you know, I haven't had anybody steal anything. You know, I've heard stories of stuff getting sold. That's one of the reasons, you know, I'm not a fan of Quartzsite because there's more, it seems to be more of that there. But, you know, the test is, you know, can you leave your stuff out and trust nobody's going to take it, right? Those are the people that I want to live next. I don't really care what they're doing inside their vehicles or their homes, as long as, you know, they're not hurting somebody or something. But, you know, can I leave my stuff out, right? If there's an emergency, you know, can I get a ride to town? The simple, simple things that in many ways, you know, we took for granted that now are disintegrating around us and having a step back and looking at the expanse of chaos and then asking ourselves, what would it mean for me to go through all of this in a way, I'll just use the word calm or empowered or focused, so I'm not putting my stress response into the fear of everything happening, which I know it's almost impossible, you know, and I'm not saying look away and don't pay attention, but, but instead of trying to push forward into an idea that no longer holds or an idea that we're not sure, but we need to hold on to something or a prophecy or a vision or something that gives us comfort by creating a structure of an experience that we think might happen so we can stay safe and comfortable. If we just embrace the reality that whatever's coming is going to be unwanted by most of us, but that doesn't mean we can't choose which value system, you know, we want to move forward into. And it is, uh, you know, that's a big thing. It's, it's simple. It's obvious. It's not the first time you've heard this. It won't be the last from me or a thousand other places. 
it's really hard to do the more intense the stress becomes because your physiology is responding to the fear of what you don't want, right? Everything about the stress response is a fear about what you don't want. And how are you going to respond? Are you going to run from it? Are you going to push from it? Or push into it, push away from it? Are you going to freeze up in the face of it? All of that is a response to what you don't want. Mastery of the stress response is to be able to observe and to decide maybe something different. You know, if the house is on fire, you do want to get out of the house, right? But when certain things are being said or certain moments are happening around us, mastery is the capacity to choose beyond just the response to an external trigger. It's that internal mastery of a process that is very externally perception oriented. And again, you know, I don't think that the, the nervous system is the most important thing for most people. I do see it as important for those of us, though, who are wired for danger because it is such a huge part of how we function in the world because we're always moving in response to the uh, the rest of the crowd. So if you think about 3% is always either trying to rescue or being disruptive. And it's moving against the uh, collective. It's that tiny percentage that's either trying to help or making things worse. But it's necessary because evolution of the human uh, you know, physical process within the earth systems, there has to be pressure. You cannot live in the absence of pressure. And, you know, most people avoid pressure or, you know, they use it to get stuff done. But, you know, the, the difference with the wire for danger is they thrive in the pressure, not just to focus, but because the chaos is more of home than calm. And most people can't understand that. And it just, you know, you're just weird and what's wrong with you. So that's the reason I really honed in on this nervous system isn't because it's the end all be all. It's just one of many things going on within us. But for the wire for danger, particularly, it's such a primary driver of who we are and why we do what we do. You know, I've talked about that. There's just everything in me was push you know, what is the truth and the why was always, you know, seek to understand that was who I am. Who I am is I have to understand. And why is because I want to save myself. I want to save you. I want to save the world. There's just this push in me that is not either normal, wanted, or rational. Uh, and I don't see it in very many other people. And so, you know, I kind of started to exercise this process because I don't want to sit around under, you know, the cherry blossom tree and meditate in bliss. It's not attractive to me. I'm going to talk more about that coming up here. But for today, as we move into this 2024 normal time where we reflect about the past year and we decide what we want for the future year, I'm just offering this up as a thought to shift out of 
you know, the what, the when, the where, and the how. And stepping back, like who do we want to be and why do we want to be that way throughout this next however long what's in front of us is going to be going on, which is probably going to be the rest of our lives, most of us. Uh, I think going back in time is over. I think it's going to be an extremely difficult process, which to me is, uh, you know, spiritually, it's an opportune time for a higher level of mastery because the intensity of the experience is so great and pervasive. There's basically nowhere to go to get away from it. Even, I mean, the whole earth change in frequency is disrupting who we are on any given day. So there's so much happening right now, trying to decide what's most important, you know, what I want to focus on, uh, what I want to do, where I want to live, how am I going to get food? How am I going to, you know, stay healthy? How am I going to avoid the the cooties in the air that they want to disperse? I mean, that's just so overwhelming. You know, my brain shuts down because it's too big. There's nothing I can do about it. And I don't want to give up and I don't want to be in despair and I don't want to be discouraged. But the one thing I can do no matter what's happening is I get to decide who I want to be and I get to decide the intentions of why I want to be that way. And again, not rocket science, but it gets more difficult to remember that the louder the screaming and the yelling, the more intense the stress and our responses to that, it takes a lot of skill and focus to be able to step back and step out of all of that pressure and have a different conversation. So that is my invitation to you today. We're going to take a deep breath, and I, my friends, will see you next time.